Welcome to episode 41 of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Micah, Mercedes, and Heather. And today, friends, we are so excited to talk about some of our favorite people in the whole entire universe, and their names are teachers. Woohoo! Teachers. Teachers, teachers. They are so important to include in this back-to-school conversation that we've been having all September, and they make it possible for our kids to be successful at school. So big thanks and love and blown kisses to all the awesome teachers out there, (laughs) and we thank all of you for joining us today, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Okay, ladies, we're back, and it's another back, um, another week back to school, and we are officially halfway through September, which means it's almost October, which means our favorite month of the year, our favorite month of the year, Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Woohoo! Are you guys going to do anything special for that month? Are you thinking ahead, planning? I am. I just signed us up for the the walk in. So our our local, our closest Down syndrome kind of support center is in Danville, which is about an hour away from us. So it's been hard for us to get involved. And we did a walk um, when Ace was a baby, but we haven't participa- participated again. But lately I've started to get more involved with what's going on in Danville and the... Um, the Down syndrome connections there and they've been helping me out a lot. And so I'm really excited to like try to venture into more community. And so we made an ACE faces, my friend team, and we're raising some big bucks and, um, yeah, just inviting all our San Francisco people to make the drive with us up to Danville for the walk. Do you have a goal, a fundraiser goal? I do. What I made a it? goal of four thousand dollar roonies, y'all. Four thousand smackaroos. That's a good goal. That's right. Girl. I'm yeah. I'm trying to just like I just want to win. That's that's why I sign up for stuff. Yeah, that's the <laughs> best reason. You're the best. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> we have two walks that we're going to. One is Club Twenty One. Um, there's this is one Saturday and then next weekend, we always go to the orange County buddy walk, even though we're in San Bernardino County. And originally it was because the first time we went, Macy was a baby and it's because it's at an angel stadium. And my husband, Josh used to be a huge angels fan. So it's like, Oh, we're like <laughs> hanging out in the dugout and like with the dirt. Really cute. And it was really cute. And then it's just a fun event. I think it's a really fun event. So we go now as a vendor, like a, an exhibitor. <laughs> Yeah. Which is fun. It's super fun to meet people and hang out um, in that capacity as well. So we stopped forming teams because we now show up as a exhibitor, but we love to go <laughs> and fundraise. One time though, I asked about the goal because I always feel a lot of pressure to set up mm-hmm. a big goal financially and then feel like a total failure because I never meet it. <laughs> so then it's like, 
<laughs> and I'm, I hate fundraising. It's, it's one of my least favorite things. I'm just not good at it. I hate asking people for things. I hate asking for money. Some people are so good at it. And I, people who are good at it are always like, people want to give. You just need to ask. And I believe that, but I don't want to ask. But last year, someone <laughs> for a walk raised like over 10 grand. I'm like, oh my yeah, gosh. you get that. And I'm the worst. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. I just what want to win the, the basket. I want the basket yeah. with the, yeah, you know, the cheese and the wine and the, the sausage. Okay. And, and crackers. Perfect. Whatever. So maybe I'll win you. that. <laughs> There's a chance. There's a chance. We also have coming up though, friends. I feel like I'm, I want to say it and put it out in the universe. Yeah. But then all, all, I'm just a big doubter, but it's going to happen. We're going to do gonna a happen. rad something in November <gasps> that you a are rad. not going to want to miss. And it's coming oh up goodness. soon, an official announcement, like as in the Lucky Few podcast, friends. So yes, it is going to be of epic proportions. <laughs> and I mean, it's going to be good. It's going to be gonna good. It's going to be good. So be we're going to, so October is going to involve some planning for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marissa, what are you doing, girl? October. For October. My goodness. Um, probably go to the OC buddy walk. Yep. Yep. I'll probably try to join someone else's team because I'm not good at planning. Well, I am actually good at planning. I'm not motivated to plan the walk thing. <laughs> it's a lot. I need to show up. You're also moving in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I'm moving in the middle. Bearing a child. Totally. And, um, I usually join Heather's buddy walk. So when she stopped, I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This, this is, is true. true. Um, so I will go to that. And then I really, 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 my goal, even more than anything, since Sunny is not in school, is to do like some sort of little event with intentionally invite my friends and their kids to some sort of celebration and awareness about Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done it. Once when Sunny was a part of a private Christian school where I brought something in for her class, but I've never done anything intentionally with like the people that we do life with who have kiddos who don't have Down syndrome. So I just feel like I want to step that up, at least be really mindful of it this year um, to really bring some awareness within our close knit community. Because I feel like I go out rather than in more. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's so good. Okay, well, let's jump into it, you guys. We are talking today about um, continuing our conversation about education. Today, we're talking about teachers. And Heather, you know, we've been asking our listeners for questions for this for these conversations that we've been having. And the first question that came in is actually for you. Um, Heather, as the only former teacher in this group, (laughs) the question, a couple of different people wrote in and asked, Heather, how did your previous teaching experience play into your feelings about inclusion in the classroom? This is a tricky one, guys. So I have, I taught special education. I have a credential, a mild and moderate teaching credential and a moderate into severe, moderate to severe teaching credential. Um, I taught high school, so I taught resource for a few years, and then I taught a living skills program for a few years. So I 
loved my students. I loved my job. It was such a rad job. I loved living skills. We got to just, we went into the community every single day. Um, it was so good. It was so fun, but inclusion wasn't really something I thought much about. I tried with some of my kids to like get them in less restrictive environments. Um, some of my kiddos who I knew could handle that, but there wasn't I, th- I think I was for inclusion, but I would be, let's just say this. If I started teaching tomorrow, I would be such a different teacher. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, and this is going to be super offensive to some people mm-hmm. listening. Um, I'll say this about myself, but I know it could be true for others that as a special educator, I think that I was even more, I was even less for inclusion because mm-hmm. I was teaching special education than had I been a general educator, I maybe would have been more open to the idea Um, and I think that, I don't know why that is. I think there's a sense of like our kid, like seeing the needs that people in special education have and seeing how hard that is to actually make that work in a gen ed setting. And like, that's why we have special ed, right? Like I, this is what I went to school for. This is why we do this. And so of course kids are going to be taken out of the gen ed setting and placed into my classroom because this is what they need. Um, I think that's why I went into special ed, right? Like this is what they need. I didn't go into special ed so that I would be teaching alongside a gen ed teacher doing an inclusive model, but that also didn't exist. So it wasn't even something Mm -hmm. I was taught about in my Mm -hmm. higher education. Um, So I, yeah, I would be a very different teacher. And there was also, because I taught high school, I'm really curious how I'm going to feel when my kids, when Mason and August are in high school, mm-hmm. because I really believed in our living skills program. Like I loved, we were, like I said, we were in the community every day. It was like my students could be in a uh, ninth, 10th, 11th grade English class learning Shakespeare, or we can be like going to grocery shopping and going, and we had full kitchens and like cooking and doing laundry and life skills. We were learning life skills. So when I was teaching, I really believed that like, this is what is best for these students. Um, Mm. and I don't think I believe that anymore, but I don't know because my kids aren't there, you know, like as a mom, I don't, I can't answer that fully. Um, and again, I say this all the time. I'm so repetitive, but it is a systems thing. Like where I was doing the best I could within the system in play. And I just think now that I wish that I was more, I wasn't an advocate for inclusion at all as an educator. Um, I think it's hard to be an advocate for inclusion when you're an educator. I think it's really hard, but I think that educators are the most, um, Oh, what's the word? It's not a hard word. I can never think of the easy words. They are like placed the most strategically to be advocating for inclusion. But I think again, they're functioning within a system that they, it's like, how do you even do that? How do, how do we make this work? This is ridiculous. This is not how it's ever been done. How do we do it? And that's always the biggest question. Like, how do we do it? How do we do it? So I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't do it when I was a special education teacher. I loved my kiddos and I loved my class. And um, that's what I did. Yeah. Hmm. Thank hmm. you for sharing, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. I don't know. You guys all hate me. Well, like, what I, are, think, what no, are the, no, I need some I, feedback. <laughs> okay. Can I give one quick feedback? Yes. I feel like you touch on a really important other topic that we should talk about is that um, special ed, like we can't all 
not everybody in the world can be a parent to a person with a different abilities. So we have an inside scoop daily of what people with different abilities are capable of. Mm. That's something you can't learn like when you just go to school and you are taught yeah. mm -hmm. how to teach a person with a different ability something. You're just going off of only what you've learned. There's no feeling in it. There's no practical experience in it. Because I could feel this way about even when Sunny goes to has gone to ABA therapy or all these different things. I'm like, oh, I just think you would be a different therapist had you had your own child with a different ability. Yes. You know, I think, I mean, how could you just not? When you know more, you can do more. Yeah. You know better, you just hopefully decide to do better. Yeah. So I think you just went down the road you had to go down, Heather. Yeah. And I learned. Right? Totally. And you learn. And I think that the, I think it's so good to hear you say that because I think we need to, I think it gives, there is so much heart that goes into someone choosing to be a special educator. And obviously that younger Heather had that. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives us room as parents to be more compassionate and recognize that there's so much there and there's still room for us to influence and to advocate and to help our kids teachers grow. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I have to add, I was 22 years old when I started teaching. And so yeah. you like, weren't even a parent yet. Not even all. close to being a parent. I was five years away from being a parent. And I was, I mean, 22 year olds are such know-it-alls. No offense, 22 year olds. We love you. But I was, I was such <laughs> like, I knew everything. And so the fact that a parent would walk in and be like, Hey, I think this would be best for my kid. I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't think so because so I know everything and <laughs> you've tried it and it didn't work. And you know, so I wasn't, I didn't go into it as a listener and a learner. I went into it as a know-it-all. I honestly did mm -hmm. when I started my teaching career. Um, and that's kind of how I went into a lot of life when I was in my twenties. And that's something I have grown out of. Thank God. And yeah. You've it, grown out of through experience though. Exactly. Because I, I, I can see how some teachers can still kind of feel like know-it-alls. Yeah. You know, and cause they've been teaching for 10 years. Yeah. They've been teaching for five years, you know? Right, right. So I feel like, um, teachers are so loving and give so much and then also have to remember that they're life learners too. Yeah. In that and evolving. The, totally. And the thing that I didn't do that I wish I did, and this is the thing I want all my kids' teachers to do, truly included, is while I loved my students, I did. I, I mean, I cannot express how much I love them. They changed my life. They're seriously some of the, my favorite humans on the planet. I recognize that when I was teaching, that these human beings are some of the most incredible human beings on the planet. But I limited their growth. And so mm. I saw them as, okay, you're in high school. For example, I had a student, he didn't have Down syndrome, but he came to me as a freshman and his parents, they were such a rad family. And his parents were like, we want him to read. We want him to read. He wasn't reading. And I didn't know how to say he's not reading yet. It was like, oh, that's something you do in elementary school. Like, I don't know how to teach reading. And I just didn't see my students at that point as yeah. lifelong learners. I saw their limits and I felt like, okay, well, that's where they're limited. Let's work with what they can do. Um, and I wish so much that I would have just been like 100%. We have lifelong learners here. Let's just keep trying new things. Let's keep being flexible. I only see ability in your child. And as an right. educator, I think that's hard for educators to do. I mm -hmm. think it's hard for educators to only see abilities in their students. And again, educators who are listening, that's probably super offensive. But that that was my experience with my coworkers, um, with myself, because of 
what we've been taught, right? Again, because of the system yeah. we were in, it's like kids can kids need to do this much by the end of this time period. Right. And if there's not, then we do intervention and maybe intervention doesn't work. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, lost cause, you know, it's not yeah. that, oh, we actually have an entire lifetime to learn this mm-hmm. skill. So I hope I haven't pissed people off too much. Oh, no. <laughs> and if you have, that's okay. That means that's that okay. there might be a mind shift or like, oh, that irked me. But why did it irk me? Oh, good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no offense. We all can grow forever and ever. Amen. Flames and hearts. Yes. Micah, what do you think? Um, any tips or best practices for special education teachers? Man, I, well, you know, I think I, I come to this with so little experience. I'm in year two of, of pre-K with ACE, but what I do what I love about the situation he's in is that his classroom is co-taught by a general ed teacher and a special ed teacher and then two aides. And there's about, um, I would say like 18 kids in there or something like that. And I have felt like my, my son's special ed teacher just really believes in this model. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's, I think it's important for teachers to know that that vibe is going to come off or, it, you know, the parent is going to feel it. And uh, it just means so much to me. I think there's, even though there are, are moments where maybe she has a different perspective um, on what we should be doing than I do, I believe really strongly that she wants ACE to succeed Mm -hmm. and that she believes that this model is right and that he should be in that classroom. And, and I think, you know, as much as a teacher can, can give off that vibe, you know, I don't know. I feel like, um, your, your attitude as a teacher, um, spills over into, a child's willingness to try new things and learn mm-hmm. and into a family's um, sense of how their child's doing. Yeah. And they're, so. Totally. Yeah. Any tips or best practices you guys have for special ed teachers? I like what you said, Heather. I'm going to ditto that of um, not limiting their growth. Yeah. And remembering. This. Oh, what were yeah, you seeing him as lifelong, yeah, lifelong learners, like as totally. able. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what you were saying, Micah, made me think of this that like you get a vibe from Ace's teacher that she's totally for him. What I want teachers, I, this is to all the teachers out there, and I hear from so many of you guys all the time who want to know, like, how can I support a kid with special needs? Like, how if I had a child in my class, what can I do? I need not like a vibe is great, but I need you to say to me as the parent, like, to seek me out and say. I am for your child, you know, like I, this is hard, but I believe that this can work. And I just need you to know, be reassured that I, I want your kid to succeed because right now it's so hard because I know, I don't know who's listening to this and I don't want to throw any specific people under the bus, but let's just say that that hasn't been the case for one of my kids. And I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if one of my kids teachers is for him or her. (laughs) Um, And for the other teacher, I do know because that person's communicated it to me. So the vibe is good and you can get a vibe. But I think if you want to be proactive as an educator, special ed or general ed, 
find the parents and just let them know, hey, I'm for your kid. I see them as able. I'm with you. Let's do this together. Like say those words. Oh my gosh, it'd be so reassuring, right? Mm-hmm. Big time, big yeah. time. Um, okay, well, let's let's go on to other questions. I We've gotten a lot about how teachers in a general ed setting can encourage students to support their peers who have Down syndrome or other different abilities. Um, so, so it's kind of taking the, the opposite look. How do you encourage general ed students to be supportive of their, their peers who need more support? Um, Mercedes, may, I don't know if you have anything to say about this. Like how in your, when you imagine Sunny in a classroom, what, how would you want her to be supported by her peers in a um. general ed setting? Yeah, I love that. So Sunflower was for a year in a private Christian classroom. um, And she was the only person at her school with Down syndrome. And so I got to like kind of experience a little bit of how like there was two types of peer friends to her. Ones that like babied her and like kind of like grabbed her and would like show her what to do, you know, kind of like over helpers. And then there was um kiddos who would just stare and be like why does she do this and why does she do that <laughs> you know and just be like hmm, inquisitive um ne- we nev- never dealt with anything negative so that was that's kind of great but i think um i don't know i i feel like friendliness i feel like um it's hard cuz these are kids so I- I feel like I want kiddos to be feel open to ask any questions, feel unafraid of Sunflower and her quirks, um, to feel like if she does shun them, because Sunny's super sweet and she's super like, I don't know how to talk very well, so I might not want to have anything to do with you right now. Or mm-hmm. I might be fine just playing on my own. I feel like kiddos who can continually pursue her are, or like our natural leaders would be kind of awesome. I guess that's a hard question for me to answer because these are all little ones. Like mm-hmm. Sunny's peers right now would be six and seven year olds who are full of making mistakes, saying things that might be hurtful, but not on purpose, like into themselves more than her. They have a best friend, so they ignore her. So I, I can't really feel like I can speak into it only with just saying just general kindness, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm and patience and include her. Oh, that's what I always think. Include her in a, in a game. If she says no, she says no, but the invitation, I think that's huge at that age invitation to join in anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, with Mace, because she's a little older. I, I mean, it is a trickle down. That's what it is. So your students are watching every single thing that you say and do when it comes to the child in your classroom who has a disability. And if you are going to talk to them in a baby voice, they're going to talk to them in a baby voice and think that they are mm-hmm. a baby. If you're going to treat them with respect and have it the same expectations for them that you do for the rest of the class, then the peers are going to have the same expectations. I mean, it is a, it's a leadership thing. So if the teacher's leading that in the ways that they're approaching your child, the student with Down syndrome or different ability, that then the peers in the classroom are going to do the same. There's that piece, but then I think being intentional is so important. And it is like looking for the, the students who would make a great peer support. And then almost like a, a training that's not formal, 
but like a, Hey, do Hey girls. So Mason's teacher this year, there's like a group of girls in the first week of school. She's like, Hey girls, um, why don't you have Mason sit with you at lunch? Or, Hey, why don't you bring Macy with you? So she had to initiate that, but it mm-hmm. was just a little thing, like a little push. And it, then it's become its own thing. Now it's become natural. Um, yeah. And she, and she's also had to have a couple conversations with students about like, Hey, can you be like being intentional about including Mason and that, Hey, Mason responds this way to a situation. And if you can bring her in, in this kind of a way. So like really giving students, um, some more hands-on instruction, but in again, it's the tone is the tone. Like you are the helper and Macy is the one who needs help, but that's not the tone. So it's important to set a tone of like, Oh, Hey, we, we just all help each other out. And Mason did this for you. Remember the time that Mason picked up the computer when you left it? That's awesome. You know, it would be awesome if you could do, if you could make sure that you help Mason bring her into the math group and she's just going to circle the, the numbers instead of do the multiplication or whatever it is, you know, like when it's her turn, just have her circle the numbers. And we're still early into the school year and I already have seen Macy's peers um, just really come alongside her instead of in front of her. I think that's a big difference, like as a teacher, to make sure that you're training the students in your class, that you are not a hero or a savior. You're not the best kid in class or the kindest. You don't get accolades for treating the person with a disability kindly. Like do, that is a huge thing for teachers. And I hope everyone knows this, but do not reward someone at your school because they are kind to a person with a disability. Um, Because Mm -hmm. that you don't get rewarded for that. You know, like we are kind to people period disability Mm -hmm. or not this is an expectation not an above and beyond that's i feel really passionately about that i think it it's very harmful to our community when kids get rewarded for being kind to our kiddos but if yeah so it's an atmosphere and let me tell you this story did i tell you guys the story about the wood chips and the swings no oh my gosh everybody grab a tissue so (laughs) (laughs) i feel like what to do mason's gen ed teacher this year these is doing, she is nailing it. Everything. It's just incredible. And communication is good. She's being honest about her feelings. So she's coming to me maybe she's nervous about it. Like I've never done this. I don't know what to do. Macy did this thing. I don't know how to respond. I need your help. And I'm coming to her honestly. Like, I don't know what to do. I need your help. We're lacking support. It's like this, our communication is wide open with no judgment. That's like so huge. So she sends me a message and says, um, Today, Mason came in from recess so happy and like walked in with a group of girls from class. And I asked her, like, did you have a great recess? And she said, yeah. And started telling me about the swings. And the girls said that Mason was trying to get on the swings. She was by herself and she couldn't get on. So the girls went over to help her. Three girls, three or four girls from her class went over to help her on the swing. And Mason's a bunch of dead weight. (laughs) She's like very heavy and awkward. So they couldn't lift her on the swing. And she's not super helpful in those kinds of situations either. (laughs) And so they couldn't lift her on the swing. And so these girls with no prompting, but I know that it's because they've got a great teacher who's been modeling. These girls went and took all the wood chips, the mulch and created a step for her to get on the wood chips so that she could get up on the swing. They freaking oh. modified the playground so that Mason could have it's access. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. It. it is like in my oh. head, I've got to sit down and write about this because, and I just started crying when I read it and I said, this makes me cry. She said, it makes me cry too. And again, that's like, if Macy wasn't, if they didn't have access to Mason, they wouldn't right. be learning these things, right? You know, like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. if this is our, the only thing that happened all school year, this is amazing. <laughs> I mean, more right. needs to happen. 
but they, <laughs> <laughs> but they got that because they watched their teacher treat Macy with respect and honor and and the teacher's constantly modifying things around the classroom. No big deal, right? Like the desk right. is too high, lower the desk. Mason can't do this. She does like these quick little fixes. Yep. Anyway, a welcoming environment. That's what is most important. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, love it. I just went off a tiny bit. Sorry, everybody about no, that. No, we, well, it looks like we have one more question. Okay. One more question. And yeah. And the question is about communicating with teachers and how to create a good relationship with them. Um, so, so she says, how do you, how do you build this good relationship with a teacher without making them feel judged for what you're asking for? Mm. And I think that's a tricky, I, I've, I find it tricky just because I'm not a conflict person and I'm learning how to advocate. I'm learning how to say, actually, this is really important and we're going to make this happen, even though, you know, maybe this makes you feel uncomfortable or whatever, but it's hard to navigate those waters of, um, asking for more without making teachers, uh, feel hurt that maybe they weren't doing enough before. Mm -hmm. It's challenging. What do you guys think? It's that, I mean, communication is key and I, mm -hmm. and I feel like I try to approach it always with, Hey, I just want you to know I'm for you. And I'm so thankful for all, all the hard work you're putting in to the, to what we're doing here with Macy and I'm here for you. However, I can support you, whatever you need from me. Um, like I always start with that. And, mm -hmm. but I do think Mason, well, Macy and Augie, sorry. I do think certain of my kids' teachers are really hesitant to come talk to me because I think they're nervous. And I'm like, dude, I'm nervous as the parent. Like I'm so nervous to talk to the teacher. Yeah. So my, th my thing with all of it always is like, everyone just be as honest as you can all the time. And that gets me in trouble, right. but I think it's helpful to say, yeah. Hey, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't feel supported. I feel judged. I feel whatever. I mean, say it. That's what I think. Say it in a way that's gracious and, right. and keep that communication going. It's hard though. It is hard. I feel like it's kind of just taking all the lessons we've learned in every kind of type of relationship of how to communicate. And like you were saying, like being gracious think tone is everything. Mm -hmm. um, respect. I don't know. That's a hard one because you can't control other people's fears or maybe um, what someone might feel like conflict or might feel like, ooh, this is, you're judging how I teach or you can't control yeah. that. So that's like a really hard question because it's a relationship right. <laughs> for one year. And it's involving your child, their student. So I feel like that's really personal. Yeah. So I just think always being gracious, complimentary anytime you can. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like that also can leave safe room to be like, oh, and suggestions. Right. <laughs> Mind you, we yeah. all need to have um, some sort of things come up so that we can all grow. I don't know. Mutual understanding. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that there's, so we've, one of the things we also did was reach out to our listeners and ask what makes a great teacher. And we got so many responses that I thought it might be fun for, um, us to list off some of those. So, um, there's a big long list. Mercedes, do you want to start? And then Heather and I can jump in if there's some that we see that we 
Yes, like, for sure. Okay. Ooh, I'm kind of perusing. And um, I liked understanding behavior as communication and moving forward with this knowledge. Mm. I like that. Ooh, I love that. I feel like I that's it. I I've just I been, need that. Actually. Yeah, I've just been re-listening <laughs> to one of my favorite parenting books. I've been listening second time. It's by the people who did Whole Brain Child. It's called No, No. Oh man, No Drama Discipline. I always want to say No Nonsense. <laughs> Similar. But, <laughs> but they talk about every time your child reacts in a way that is, you know, disappointing or disrespectful or whatever. It's an opportunity. They are communicating. Their behavior is communicating what they need. Mm -hmm. And it's about learning how to see it that way and having that growth mindset. Mm -hmm. I like that. I love that. Our listeners also love teachers who do visuals and hands-on learning, Mm -hmm. teachers who listen, um, caring about students no matter their grade or how well they do in class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I see like a, a teacher who makes, makes my son feel confident and proud of himself. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being open-minded, being willing to try mm-hmm. new things. Yeah. I like the fair, but firm, loving and compassionate. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Cause I feel like when you're fair and firm, this can feel like negative, but I also think that's being holding our kiddos to a standard of like, no, you could do better. You yes. could act better. You are also supposed to know right from wrong, mm-hmm. which they do mm-hmm. 100% in their cuteness. Yeah. So I like that. No, you need that. I think with one of my kiddos had a teacher <laughs> who was just very free and loving and there yeah. was no fair and firm. And that particular child just, oh gosh, went out of hand, out of control. <laughs> and so we just need to, I'm like, I'm like this child needs structure. This child needs structure. We got to get a plan. Like we got to have structure <laughs> and you got to stick to it and you got to follow through. He's got another structure anyway. <laughs> uh, it's so a lot. Well, we love teachers, right? Raise your hand if yes. you have teachers. We all are raising our We're hands. We're raising our hands. And, raising two hands. Yeah. And even all those things that our listeners listed, I feel like, of course, every teacher is that in a sense, you know, like every teacher cares. Why the heck would you be a teacher if you're not going to see the differences in your kids and love them and care for them and, and be there for them? So good. Yep. So thanks to all our teachers out there and give us some feedback. If you are a teacher and you heard some things we had to say and you are like, oh boy, and you want to tell us some things, tell us some things and we would love to talk about it. Um, and you guys, it's time for us to hop away and hear from our sponsor and we'll be back with our favorite part of this and every lucky few podcasts. We'll be right back. All right, we are back, and it's time for the hearts. I feel like you're singing in an '80s song. Without the words, I'm just a Good news, Oh, oh, that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) 
All right, guys, we've got we some have, good news. We have good news. We have good news from listeners again, which is our favorite. Yay! So keep it coming. Okay, this Instagram handle is very clever Ooh. because the child's name is Amos, and it's uh-huh. a moster piece. Get Cute. it? Cute. I get it. Okay. <laughs> it's like a. If you don't get it, it's like a masterpiece, but it spells his name at the beginning instead, so it's a moster piece. Okay, so they wrote, Amos is walking. Yes, he spends more time on his feet than his knees now. He's been working super hard, and at three and a half years old, he has finally cracked it. That is some good freaking news. That's so great. So, and speaking of awesome teachers today, at Shan Eliza said, my son just started K-5 and is so happy and he loves his teacher. That's Yay. all you want. Yes. That's all you want. The best. The best. Yeah. You just want your kids to come home happy and feel like they have been in a place that is building them up. Yes. So amazing. Okay, we have one more. And this is at Hope Groombridge. And um, Hope says, Max is five and just just finished recreational soccer. I wasn't sure how showing up in this kind of space would be, but it was so uneventful in all the best ways. That's a great word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best news. That's is the all. That's things all that want. don't happen. Yes. No <laughs> news is good news. <laughs> Every day when I pick my kids up from school, please let it be an uneventful day. <laughs> all right, friends. Well, as always, we want to hear your good news about your loved one with Down syndrome. You can leave us a voicemail. 424 424- Four four two nine one four seven, and share your good news. Head on over to Instagram, the Lucky Few Pod. Leave us a direct message, or you can email us at theluckyfewpodcast.com. We would love to hear that. And if you have a product or a business and you want to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, then we would love, love to partner with you. You can email us at hello at theluckyfewpodcast.com for our sponsorship opportunities. And a huge thank you, as always, to our editor and producer, Andy Lara, and our co-producer, Val Schleider, our sponsor, and all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends and who have listened faithfully and cheered us on. It means so much to us, guys. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And please remember that you, dear listening supporter, and you, dear teacher... Um, with your loved one who has Down syndrome, you are a shouter of worth and you are a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are cheering for you and we will see you all next Monday on the Lucky Few podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.